Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Let's open up our Bibles this evening. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. A familiar story to most of us here tonight, but I want to use this story to challenge us all and to remind us of some important principles in the kingdom of God. One of the biggest blockbuster hits of all time was the movie Titanic, uh, written and produced and directed by uh, James Cameron, famous filmmaker. And when he spoke about this movie that he made, Titanic, he said that this movie is a great metaphor of life, that we are all in some way living on the Titanic. We are all heading toward either disaster or toward safe waters. And uh, they say when the Titanic uh, set sail in 1912, They declared it to be unsinkable. And the reason was that they had constructed the Titanic using a new technology at the time. The ship's hull had been divided into 16 watertight compartments. And the people who designed it supposed that even if four of these 16 compartments could be damaged, that it could still stay afloat and could continue on in its journey. This was a new technology at the time, and that's why they deemed it to be unsinkable. Tragically, on its maiden voyage, as we all know, and as is depicted in that movie, April 15th, ah, that's tomorrow, 1912, that would be what, 90 years ago almost, at 2.20 a.m., struck an iceberg, and ultimately 1,513 people perished in that great accident. At the time, they thought that, they, that this iceberg, as they scraped up against the side of it, they supposed that, the, that this iceberg had simply broken more than the four that they had anticipated. They supposed that five of those watertight compartments had been ruptured in a collision with that iceberg. However, when they finally discovered the ship on the bottom of the ocean, September 1st, 1985, they found it lying upright on the ocean floor. And what was interesting is that there was no sign of a long gash that they previously thought must have been ripped into the ship's hull. They discovered something else that the damage to a single compartment had affected all the rest. Many people 
make the same mistake in their own lives. How many understand that we have a tendency to have different compartments of our life? We have a church compartment. We have a, a home apart, compartment. We have a work compartment. We have a family compartment. And what can happen to many people is to divide these different parts of our life up and to think that what happens over here in this compartment has really nothing to do with what's happening over here. But what this story of the Titanic reveals is that, how many understand, if there is compromise in one part of your life, it has the power to affect all the other parts of your life. Uh, Rick Warren, a megachurch preacher, uh, is the one who originally came up with this illustration, but he said that a life of integrity is one that is not divided into separate compartments. When David prayed in Psalm 86, he prayed, Lord, that I would have an undivided heart. In other words, a heart that does not have separation, that does not have compartments, that doesn't have a, a work heart and a church heart and a family heart and all-by-myself heart and all of them without affecting one another. The truth is that that's not possible. Matthew 22, verse 16 says that Jesus was a man of integrity. How many understand that the same Jesus that they saw uh, sitting at the Lord's Supper in secrecy outside of the prying eyes of the crowd, that that same Jesus that sat at the table with them was also the same Jesus who hung on the cross. There was no division between the Jesus in private and the Jesus in public. The Jesus who stood on the mountaintop and the Jesus who, who went down to the dregs of society and spent time with the undesirables. I want to help you tonight, and I want to help me, to avoid the titanic mistake, which is to allow compromise in one area of our life to affect every other area. In the scripture we're going to read tonight, we discover a man of integrity. And of all the great characters of the Bible, one thing we can say about this man is that uh, he's far from being a perfect man, but we, what we do not have in the story of Joseph is we do not have a giant gaping hole of sin and compromise. Where, whereas with other characters in the Bible, Abraham, for example, father of our faith, but how many know, he made some grievous errors along the way. David, King David, we know a man after God's own heart, but he had a violent streak. And he had a, uh, he had a, a problem with women. And, uh, and so many of the Bible heroes that, you know, that we look back on, Samson, for example, yes, he made it into the Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame of Faith, but guess what? He had, a, he had a girl problem too. But one of the things I love about the life of Joseph is that we don't have a record. The Bible does not record that he was uh, involved in gross compromise in his life. He was a man of incredible integrity. And I want to preach on this idea tonight that integrity still matters. Let's read together Genesis chapter 39 beginning with verse 5. Follow along with me tonight. It says, So it was, 
from the time that he had made him overseer of his house. This is the time when Joseph is in Potiphar's house as a servant. All that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. We understand that people of integrity can be trusted. Can be trusted. Can you be trusted tonight? Now the Bible throws in this, this little nugget about Joseph, that he was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph by, day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened, verse 11, about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, danger, never alone, never alone, that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me, but he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside, a man of integrity. Let's pray this evening as we think about this idea. Integrity still matters. Lord, we come by the blood of Jesus. Lord, you've not called us to lives of compromise. You've not called us to lives of compartmentalization. You've called us, Lord, to be people of integrity, people of wholeness, of mind, of heart, of spirit. God, I cast down the spirit of hypocrisy today. Lord, the idea that we would preach and teach and we would defend uh, principles here in the house of God and in public and then go to the secret place and become and do something else. I'm praying tonight, God, that you would heal us, Lord, from the spirit of hypocrisy and help us to be people instead of integrity. And we thank you for all you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name, God's people would say, Amen. Let's talk about integrity tonight. It still matters. First of all, I want to share with you and remind you that integrity is a rare thing. The Webster's Dictionary, when we define what does integrity mean, it means wholeness. It means entireness, an unbroken state. The definition goes on to say it's the unimpaired state of anything, particularly the mind, moral soundness or purity, incorruptness, uprightness, honesty. Integrity comprehends the whole moral character. So when you break this word down, it's an interesting word. It actually is a mathematical word. If you are familiar with arithmetic, think back to seventh grade, you might remember the term integer. And an integer means a whole number as opposed to a fractional number. So it is a number that is not divided into smaller pieces. It is a whole number. One, two, three. All of these are integers. And the word literally, when you break it down, it is in, which is the opposite of, 
No. <laughs> in is the prefix, which means not, right? We say in or un. And then you have the word tangere, which is a Latin word that means to touch. So in other words, something that is not touching other things. It's untouched. It's unbroken. It is preserved. It has the idea of something that has been sealed from the manufacturer. How many ever went into 7-Eleven and you got a bottle of water and you go to pop the cap, but it's already been popped? You going to drink that? No, you're not going to drink that. You better not because somebody has opened that cap before. It's broken. It's unsealed. It has been exposed to the elements. We can no longer guarantee that it is pure and clean and good for drinking. This is the idea of integrity, that we can guarantee that that little ring that you twist and it pops and plastic breaks and, and you can feel good and you can be secure and you can be confident that you're going to drink something good, right? Because there is a sense of integrity. It's untouched. It's unbroken. It is preserved. One of the things that happens often, something just happened actually to, to us last week as I'm working there at the computer shop, is uh, we have computer nerds that think that, uh, oh, you know, I can save some money. I can just go on to Amazon and buy all the parts for my next, uh, my next geeky uh, gaming PC that I'm going to put together myself, right? And it happens so often, and uh, they're going to spend hundreds of dollars, and they're going to try to assemble it all together, and then what happens, they put all the plugs in what they think is in all the right places, and they push the power button, and nothing happens. Or... Uh, not everything is working as they expected. And so they begin tinkering and pulling things apart and unscrewing and rescrewing and putting this there. And, and, and by the time they're done, they've made a big, huge mess. And now they're ready to call the computer guy. And just last week, this happened to me. I went over to this guy's house. And he says, yeah, you know, I push the button and the fan comes on and I get a screen. But, you know, the, 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 uh, the cooling pump doesn't work and the lights don't turn on. And, uh, and I don't know what I... And so I take one look at it and I say we got to get back to the shop. I'm not going to do this here. And what ended up we have to do almost every time is basically take everything back apart and put it all back together according to the manufacturer's guidelines. And so here's people who have bought something. They, they've got all the right pieces that are supposed to fit together, but they don't follow the instructions. And so what happens is people bring their computers to us in a big pile, a big broken mess. And we have to go through and begin putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. And people will willingly give us money to do that. And so the computer company uh, is profitable. But this is exactly what happens with many people's lives. That God, how many know, God has given us an instruction manual for life. God has given us the template of what a successful life looks like. We know that life can deal us some blows. We know that sometimes you get a bad hand in life. Sometimes there's things we have to work through. There's tragedies and difficulties and pains and setbacks that we have to uh, get through. But we have, uh, we have a success manual, a guide for life of how to get through. And the, the problem is that we don't follow the instructions. And when we do, many times our lives end up like that box full of parts that people bring into our shop 
And we bring our lives to Jesus and say, can you do anything with this? I remember feeling like that when I came to church. I had a few screws loose myself. I had a bunch of pieces in, scattered in different places. This is the opposite of integrity. It was corruption. It is brokenness. How many understand the language when people say they've gone through something a terrible, a tragedy, an event, and what do they say? My heart is what? Broken. I have a broken heart. Does that mean that the, the organ in their chest has fallen into a hundred pieces? No. It means that there is a sense that they've lost integrity. Life has fallen apart. That's the idea of corruption. And so integrity is something that is rare and hard to find in our broken and sinful world. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Most men, most men, say the word most. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness. It's easy to find people. Are you a good person? Why, yes, I am. (laughs) Yes, I am a good. Yeah, compared to jerk down the street, I'm an excellent person. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness. But who can find a faithful man? The righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. Psalm 15, Psalm of David, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord, who may enter your presence on your holy hill, those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. This psalm is a description of the life of integrity, those who refuse to gossip. it's a good thing nobody in here gossips dodge that bullet or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the lord and keep their promises even when it hurts see this is the life of integrity how are you doing with integrity are you a person of mental wholeness of moral wholeness or are there different compartments of your life that maybe there's a time and a place that you run and hide to when you want to be the person that no, nobody else sees somebody said that the the true true mark of character is who you are when no one else is watching how many know that god wants to deal with that person not the person that you present on Sunday morning, on Sunday night, Wednesday night. Listen, we all come in here, we prepare ourselves, we hopefully you comb your hair, you brush your teeth, you put on deodorant, you know. We do all these things to make ourselves presentable to a public world. But listen, God is not interested in the outer appearance. How many understand that? He's looking at the heart. How's your heart tonight? Do you have a heart? Do you have morals? Do you have a mind of integrity or Are there areas of your thinking, areas of your morality that you have separated and you say, God, you don't have access to this part? That is the life of corruption. So let's think about integrity tonight. Integrity is something that is worthless unless it is tested. Some of the finest materials in the world cannot be created unless through incredible testing. I think of the, uh, the swords, the Japanese 
swords. There's a whole uh, a cultural um, uh, wing of the Japanese culture about how to make these Japanese swords, and I'm forgetting what the name of them is, but they, what is it? Huh? Katana, the katana blades, that's right. And so it, it's, it's, uh, it's a process, and I saw a video of this sometime ago, and it can take weeks and weeks of, of time, and they, they melt the metal down, they remove impurities, and they begin folding this metal on uh, onto itself again and again, something like how you knead the bread, right, before you bake it. Uh, but in the same way, they're, they're folding this blade over and over. They're heating it up. They're cooling it off, heating it up, folding it and folding it again until finally, after so long of a process, comes out one of the finest blades in the world. See, that is only possible through great difficulty. Because it has endured so much, now it can be utilized for great things. The strength comes from the great difficulty. Martin Luther King Jr. had a great quote. He said, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where does he stand at times of challenge and controversy? Integrity is only revealed in the difficulties, in the hard times. Jesus spoke about the man who hears his words and does not obey. And he said of that man, he builds his house on the sand. Now, it'd be fine to build your house on the sand as long as the weather's good, right? And Jesus said, hey, as long as the sun is shining, as long as the wind's not blowing, you know what? You can have a good time with your little house built on the sand. But it's not until the wind begins to blow, until the storm begins to be whipped up, the waves begin to crash, and it is when the challenge arises that that house is put to the test. See, the true measure of your life and of your integrity is not when we are sitting here in church together saying, praise God, amen, pastor, yeah, preach that, and getting all of our tie together and, and, uh, and, and putting you know, our dollars in the basket, all of those things, wonderful things, but the true test of integrity is when it's challenged. This is what we find in the life of Joseph. Joseph was a young man who was, uh, according to the Bible, a good-looking young man. He was attractive. And so, uh, here comes an opportunity. And we're going to really find out whether he is what he says he is or not. It's when it's challenged. This is what the Bible describes as the refiner's fire. Malachi 3, verse 2, Who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears for he the Lord he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver he will purify the sons of Levi and he will purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness how do you know if you're a person of integrity have you been through the fire have you endured discipline from the Lord? Have you endured through times of temptation? Or have you folded? I was just too weak. 
The spirit was willing, Pastor, but the flesh was weak. Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this Sermon Podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks, and we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple Podcast application. Clint B. writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, We could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, These do help us to get the word out about this podcast. I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia, Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Meritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine. The list goes on and on of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one. And please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening, and back to the rest of the sermon. There is a truth that was revealed a few years back. How many remember when uh, there was that devastating earthquake that hit the island of Haiti? And... uh, the problem with that earthquake when it ran through that, that island nation, it was, wasn't that it was such a strong earthquake. Yes, there have been other earthquakes in other places. The problem was that when that earthquake hit that particular place, that all of the buildings, Pastor Campbell has preached on this, that, that all of those buildings, they were not built to code. In other words, here in the States, we have building codes. And if you're going to make a building you have to have certain standards in place and it has to be inspected by a by a city or a state inspector they're going to come and they're going to make sure are you upholding the correct standards and if the standards are held then guess what a uh an earthquake can come through but it's not going to tear the entire building down in haiti there were no standards people simply built according to how they want to build pour a piece of concrete there no big deal rebar what's rebar uh, we're going to frame this together. We're just going to eyeball it. We're going to try and, uh, yeah, okay, it's holding up. There we go. Got it. Walk away. And see, from the outside, as long as there's no earthquake, it looks fine. It operates. Put a roof over the head. But then when things begin to shake, when the storm comes, when the wind and the waves begin to beat, And how many lives were lost because of low standards? There, when a church refuses to keep high standards, high standards of righteousness, high standards of holiness, high standards for ministry. I lost the amens some time ago. I'm not sure what happened. 
But if we don't have high standards, the reason that we must maintain standards is not so that I as a pastor can annoy you and call you and say, where were you? I don't enjoy doing that. But I have to do that because if we don't have high standards, you know what? Lives are on the line. Spiritual lives. Because low standards bring devastation. Let me ask you, what if Joseph would have given in? What if Joseph, nobody was around, nobody was watching. What if Joseph would have allowed himself to enter this situation? To fall into sexual sin and temptation with this woman who's pulling on him. I wonder if he would have become anything. Because God can't use a compromised person. In the same way as a surgeon who's going in to do an emergency surgery, that they have to spend minutes, 30, 40 minutes, scrubbing their fingers and washing all the way up their arms and covering themselves and a face mask and and, uh, covering their hair and long gloves. Because when you're going in to do a surgery, you cannot be compromised. You cannot be covered in filth and and begin to try to help somebody. See, Joseph, he he was about to do some surgery for the kingdom in a few years. God wanted to use him to minister to the nations. But before he could be useful, he had to be tested. He had to be cleansed and purified. His integrity had to be proven. How many times have people failed at this point? And later on, the time when God wants to use you, you're disqualified. Later on, how many people are wallowing in their self-pity and their guilt and their shame because they know they've fallen and they failed the test of integrity? Let me remind you tonight that integrity pays off. Eventually. See, the problem is that Joseph didn't get a payday because of this. He didn't win the lottery. In fact, what he did get after this, you follow the story, is that he got falsely accused. He stood for righteousness, and it seemed like he was not vindicated. It would be really easy in that point, because first of all, it was a sexual temptation. He was able to resist that, and then he's falsely accused. He's thrown into the prison. Now he's got another temptation, doesn't he? Now his temptation is one of bitterness. God, how could you allow this to happen? God, I stood up for you. God, I did what was right. And this is how you reward me? This is my compensation? In prison? And now comes a more difficult test. Have you discovered that as you get older and more mature in your faith, that the tests don't get easier? They get harder. Because God continues to refine us like those katana blades over time continuing to fold and master and work out the kinks and the little, uh, the little areas of our lives that are a problem for the kingdom. As you grow in the Lord, your temptations will change, but they will not go away. Integrity is something that pays off, but maybe not at first. Eventually. It wasn't until years later 
in Joseph's life. Fast forward. We started in Genesis chapter 39. But it's years later when you flip the page into Genesis chapter 41. Verse 39. When he comes out of that prison cell. And Pharaoh says to Joseph. Inasmuch as God has shown you all this. There is no one as discerning and wise as you. This is Pharaoh. The uh, you know, the, the president of the greatest nation on the earth at the time. Complimenting Joseph. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. See, here's the problem with human personality, is that we want that compliment, we want that promotion, but we don't want it 20 years from now. God, I want that now. I want you to use my life in a powerful way, and I want you to do it today. I don't want to have to go through all those tests and trials and tribulations. But see, God has to allow life to happen so that our integrity can be tested. This is why we don't just allow anybody to become part of ministry. I had a young man come to me and ask, Pastor, what do I have to do to get involved in ministry? I said, well, you have to come to church. You have to serve the Lord. You have to sit on the front row and take notes. And for a time, if you'll do that and you'll prove your integrity, then there is ministry waiting for you. We want your help. If you want a promotion on your job, how many know promotions don't come on the first day or in the first week? As your boss, if you get a new job, your boss is watching you to see if you show up on time or not. To see if you steal stuff from from the job site or not. He's watching. He's testing. He's seeing. And after some time, after he sees you in situations where you have opportunity, where the cash drawer is open and nobody's watching. What are you going to do? He's testing. He's trying. And if there is integrity, guess what? Promotion is coming. If it's true in the realm of working at a job, how much more is it true in the realm of the kingdom? In the church? Integrity is worth it, beloved. One day, how many remember? We're going to stand before God. We're going to stand before God. And I think that the fact that so many in our society, so many in our culture today have rejected that idea rejected the idea of accountability to the Creator. I don't like that idea. I want to live my own life. And that is the reason so many people find themselves in compromise, in wickedness, and in sin. I don't know about you, this is in the back of my mind constantly. That there are people in eternity today that are looking down on the earth, watching how life plays out. That there is a God in heaven. There is a cloud of witnesses who watches over this present reality. One day, we're going to stand before the living God and give an account of our lives. And on that day, the books will be opened. The account of your life will be read and made public for all to know. That thought should motivate you. Yes, 
integrity will pay off in this life. Yes, you will receive blessing and promotion from God and ministry from God. He'll be able to use you if you, are, if you lead a life of integrity, but far greater than that. One day in heaven, there is reward, there is blessing, there is authority waiting those who live lives of integrity here. See, this earth, this life, this present reality is the proving ground. I read recently about how the U.S. Postal Service has been going through this long, difficult process of choosing new vehicles. They're going to be replacing these, uh, these, these little Jeeps that they've been using. Uh, th- that little Jeep that we see driving around in the neighborhoods, that, that's been in use since the 80s. And uh, when they were choosing, and it's been one of the most successful male vehicles in the history of the Postal Service. And can you imagine, for like 30 years now, they've been using the same vehicles and fixing them again and again and again. But the reason why they chose those vehicles back in the day, there was a five-year trial. They asked different manufacturers to present a model to them for testing. And the way that they tested these vehicles was they drove them nonstop for six months. They drove them on top of mountains, in valleys, across cities, through the the nice highways. They drove them at high speeds. They drove them on bumpy roads. They drove them off roads. And they tested all these different vehicles. And the one that came out with the least amount of problems was the one we're seeing drive around everywhere today. What a perfect picture. I mean, there there was some other people who wanted to get that contract. There were some other corporations that wanted to to be the U.S. Postal Service vehicle, but they didn't get it because along the way, they broke down. Along the way, somewhere along the way, a a tire went flat or an axle went broke or a brake pad went, went kaput, and it didn't make it to the end. Jesus is not interested in the life of faith that goes for so long and then fails. Oh, beloved, it's not how we start. It's how we finish. Will you finish this race? Paul, at the end of his life, looking back and thinking and considering, he's about to, uh, to be killed for his faith. And he's thinking about the end that is to come. And he says, you know what? I've run my race. I have finished my course. I have done what I know to do. And you know what? My faith is still intact. I've made it through. He, as he was facing his final days, he could say with confidence that I have kept my integrity. Can you say that? For most of us, we keep areas that are in compartments, separated. My call to you tonight is to live a life of integrity. To be the same person in secret that you are in person, in public. The great hope that we have tonight is the blood of Jesus that can wash us and purify us of all uncleanness. That He does not suffer hypocrisy. But if we will come to Him honestly tonight, if we will repent of our sins, there is a God who can cause us to be whole. Sozo, body, mind, and spirit. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes. You can experience that salvation, that wholeness that He has for you. God did not ever want us 
to be divided in our hearts, in our mind. In fact, one of the worst things that can happen to a human mind is a condition called schizophrenia. A person called with a split personality causes great pain and suffering at one time with one personality and at other times being a completely different personality. Bipolar disorder is expanding and growing in recent years. I've been amazed to see this trend in mental health that people are divided, that people can switch on a dime, can be happy and copacetic one moment and the very next be completely unhinged. Bipolar disorder, this is a mark of a lack of integrity. Many times there are, there are spiritual factors at work addictions and bondages and abuse that has taken place that has caused a divided personality. But God has a plan for integrity to bring together the broken pieces of our lives and of our heart so that we can live whole and pure for Him. I wonder, you're here tonight. Maybe you're not right with God. You know that you're living in sin. Maybe you're backslidden. You have fallen into temptation. Maybe you didn't survive. The temptation of Joseph. Listen, the young men in this place. The temptation that Joseph faced in our story is far less than the temptation that you face every single day. There are Potiphar's wives available to you at any moment on your smartphone. With a few taps, with a few clicks, you can begin to engage with Potiphar's wife at any moment and this is a great source of pain, agony, defeat, discouragement, shame, embarrassment. But worse than that, it is cutting off your future of destiny and purpose with God. And what it can lead to if you don't deal with it, if you don't repent, if you don't change, if you keep it hidden and secret, is you can like the prodigal begin to wander away from the house of God. What you need tonight is to pray, God, give me integrity. Have you lost your integrity? Have you backslidden tonight? I want to pray for salvation. Somebody's here tonight, you know that you're not right with God, but you want to get right. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. With an uplifted hand, say, Pastor, pray for me. I know that I'm not right with God. There's an area of brokenness and discouragement and fear in my life and I want to deal with it right now I want to ask God to heal me lift up your hand so I can pray with you maybe watching online you're with us tonight you know that God is dealing with you you're not saved you're not born again you're not on your way to heaven but you want to be changed we serve a God who changes people who causes us to be new born again into new life and new purpose if that's you, you're watching on the live stream right now, you need to respond, you need to reach out, leave a comment, send an email, do what you can. Get in contact, we will call, we will pray with you, we will reach out to you, but you need to respond right now. While you feel and sense the presence of God moving, this is your chance right now. Let me speak to Christians tonight. People of God, children, of our great Father in heaven, brothers and sisters, are you living a life of integrity? Are you living a life of wholeness? Or 
Is there division at work in your mind? Is there a division within you? Maybe a division of purposes that there's a part of you that wants to do what right, wants to do, wants to pursue God's will. There's a part of you that you're contending for ministry to do what's right. But then there's another side of you that is working against. There is this division of soul and flesh, spirit and the flesh that Paul described. He said, oh, this wicked man, this wicked flesh, this body that I live in, who will deliver me from this body of death? You you can identify with that, right? And tonight, maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of having a broken destiny. I want to... I want to step into God's will for my life and move forward. My marriage, my ministry, my finances. But to move into any of those places, you must have integrity. Thank God for His mercy, for His grace, for the blood of Jesus that cleanses our sins tonight. God is speaking to you. I want you to come to the altar There is forgiveness waiting for us here. I wonder if we could stand together in this place. God's speaking to us. God wants to help us. Would you come right now? Say, Lord, I want to be used by you just like Joseph. I understand that I'm never going to reach the place of usefulness unless I go through the trials and become a person of integrity. This altar is open right now. I want to challenge you to come and pray. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.